boy 50. Them say I carry that, that automatic Yahoo boy. Why are us the bar? We go make your mama lose joy. Leave one for him leg, your future we go destroy. Police is your friend, all my other one a decoy. Sass the beat, sass the still, but Sega get your freaking back. Sega this, Sega that, but Sega know they ever slack. Sega tweet, Sega help, Sega be like light for dark. Sass the fear, sass the jail, all because of Sega fact. Sass be like devil, them they still kill and destroy. Person go watch ball, all my now they don't end the boy. Click pal, trigger happy, see the red on the soil. Vexed and enraged, on my inside they boil. Only cop I can vouch for is CP Wakili. The rest will show you pepper, they are layers of chili. You they young, you get car, you they feel yourself a bee. Them go tax you, them go rob you, them go frame you up, you see. Officer of the law, but on duty you they blow grass. Young boys know they save, now your duty to they harass. Police turning bankers, them get POS, pure trust. RIP caller, they it is time to answer. I'm Richard Hefner, your host on The Open Mind. Some time back, a letter to the editor appeared in the New York Times. Many people disagreed with it, rather passionately. But it would be folly not to realize that it struck a responsive chord for many others. Here in New York and wherever crime in the streets has struck terror in our hearts, fear for our loved ones and ourselves. What the letter proclaimed in part, and let me read it to you, was much as I regret the conclusion I am beginning to believe that perhaps some degree of police brutality may be necessary to reestablish fear of and respect for the law. Crime is virtually non-existent in Japan. The way this is accomplished is fairly simple. There is no rehabilitation of criminals. Once they have been found guilty, they are put away in prisons, which are reputedly very tough by our standards. There is no counseling or psychological testing. Recently, I made a film in Antigua, said the author. In Antigua, there is virtually no crime. Once found guilty, the criminal's life is finished. His families and friends disown him. He is ostracized. If he survives imprisonment, he has few places to go when he gets out. The result is, there is no criminal class in Antigua because the punishment is so excessive that nobody undertakes to violate the law. Perhaps it is time we started erring on the side of repression instead of permitting hoodlums to terrify our city. Today, the average policeman needs a lawyer to protect him whenever he makes an arrest. No candidate for local, state, or national office will get my vote, says the author of this letter, unless he takes an unequivocal position on law enforcement. That may mean bringing back police brutality. The slogan of those who insist on giving the offender the benefit of the doubt instead of the victim. A few miscarriages of justice may be a small price to pay for cleaning up the streets of our city. Well, you can imagine how angry that letter to the editor got a great many fair-minded Americans, and at the same time, how many people who had themselves been victimized by crime and criminals cheered on its author. And so I invited two people to the open mind today to discuss this touchy subject. Many others could have joined us, of course, so extreme are feelings on the matter. But I invited the man who wrote this provocative letter, David Brown, editor, lecturer, journalist, and movie maker extraordinary, and the head of the largest municipal police force in the world, Robert J. McGuire, police commissioner of the city of New York. As one journalist labeled him, 
New York's youngest top cop since Teddy Roosevelt. Gentlemen, thanks for joining me today. Uh, and I think it only fair that I begin by asking the police commissioner how he reacts to David Brown's letter. Well, I read it when uh, Mr. Brown wrote it, and uh, I sympathize with some of the feelings that uh, were expressed, both implicitly and explicitly, an incredible feeling of frustration, a feeling that we'd lost uh, the battle, if not the war, to the criminals, and that our streets were no longer safe for our citizens. I disagreed, um, and I'm not sure he truly means what he said. We'll have to listen to him with some of the language, namely police brutality. I don't think uh, to engage in illegal conduct in order to uh, bring safety and security to the streets is the way to do it. I don't think it's necessary. I do think, and I agree with him, that we've got to turn things around. I don't think that uh, at the present time government is protecting its citizens, and I'm not quite sure what we're in business for if we're not doing an adequate job of that. And that's true in New York. That's true in every large city of the United States. But I think that there is a way to do it consistent with the law and with legal process. You can always have uh, uh, order and security in a fascist dictatorship, for example, but you pay a price. And I don't think David Brown wants to go back to that. That's my own view. We'll have to listen to him and see. Mr. Brown? Well, Commissioner and Dr. Hefner, uh, I wrote that letter some time ago, and I've reviewed my thinking. It's necessary in this medium to indicate that the words police brutality appeared between quotes when this letter was published in the New York Times and when I wrote it. And those quotes are very important. That is the perception of what police officers do in the performance of their duties, as I understand it, is frequently criticized by those who are soft on law enforcement. I think that uh, the Commissioner McGuire and the police department of the city of New York still deserve the accolade not only of New York's finest, but of the world's finest. And I, in the course of my work, traveled to many countries. What is so heartening is that the public itself, which traditionally and historically never wanted to be involved in the city of New York, now has increasingly taken a role, I think the commission would agree, in supporting police officers in the performance of their duty, as they have done recently in two subway incidents, where they've literally surrounded the suspect or uh, in some cases actually collared the suspect and held him for the police officer. As to the commissioner's point, did I want to go to a fascistic type of repression? Of course not. Uh, and you, you're very perceptive in uh, saying that this letter does reflect the frustration of the average citizen. Uh, what it reflects is frustration not so much on the level of law enforcement, but on the judicial level. And the commissioner, of course, is, is a lawyer and has, been in, has had a distinguished career in the law. And I would like to ask him, why is it that so many of us read time after time that a suspect who, who even uh, uh, gives a confession or who even is convicted is so often permitted back on the streets? I read in the New York Times only recently that juries give police officers very little credibility. Where they used to believe a police officer frequently, they don't want to convict anyone. It's difficult for me to understand that, and yet I have to say that I haven't served on a jury in many years, and it's a good reason, I'm sure that somebody will get me for this, to go back on the juries, because uh, uh, w why is it, speaking as a lawyer, that so often suspects and convict convicted criminals are back on the streets or sometimes never even are, are incarcerated? Well, you got several questions uh, in, in your statement, all of them are very legitimate questions. Uh, perhaps the most important one is why, 
when somebody commits violent antisocial conduct or behavior on the street, uh, namely rapes a woman or mugs uh, a person, uh, does he not end up in jail with a serious sanction? Uh, and there are a lot of reasons for it, some uh, um, resource reasons, some uh, uh, what has happened to the criminal justice system. Uh, the end result is, I believe, that there is no credible sanction today. Statistically, if you commit a felony type of violent crime in the city of New York today, statistically, you will not be apprehended, you will not be successfully prosecuted, and if you are apprehended and successfully prosecuted, you will not get a significant sentence in a state institution. So that the perception and the reality on the street is that you have two, three, or four shots at this before anybody's going to treat it seriously. And you are suggesting that it's a correct, correct perception. Oh, no. Oh, it's absolutely grounded in reality. Uh, I think it's turning around a bit. I think the focus has now shifted. I, I don't meet any, uh, quote, liberals on crime anymore. People are... Uh, what do you mean? I don't find people talking about coddling criminals or rehabilitation or psychological sure. therapy. I find that uh, most people are totally frustrated. Uh, they don't believe that rehabilitative programs work. They don't seem to work. They don't know, they don't understand the root causes of crime, especially violent crime. Uh, the thing that I've seen that really disturbs me most of all as a human being in the last 25 years is the random, senseless nature of violent crime, especially murder today. It used to be that you could understand the armed bank robber. He was going to shoot his way out, and you understood the rationale. You didn't, you didn't sympathize with it, but you understood it. But today we have kids who have 357 Magnums. They walk up to a woman, they take her pocketbook, they walk away, and as an afterthought, they come back and they kill her. They're not worried about identification. They're not worried about anything. They don't treat her, her life, or their own for that matter, as anything serious. But aren't you saying, Commissioner, what I've endeavored to say in the New York Times, taking the term police brutality in its broadest <clears throat> sense, perhaps I should have said something that encompassed more than the police. The fact is that the punishment doesn't fit the, the crime, and uh, we are, if I correctly understand you, we are soft on criminals in this country, I don't say this city or this <clears throat> state necessarily, but generally, taking the FBI statistics. And aren't you saying also, without putting words in your mouth, that if the punishment were severe, as I advocate, if, it were, if there were no rehabilitation, if there were no counseling, maybe there wouldn't be enough in jails to house all of our, our, our criminals, but wouldn't there be any discernible diminution in the number of crimes of violence committed, in your opinion? Yes, I, I agree with what you're saying, although I disagree with the emphasis. I, yes. I don't think there is tremendous emphasis or resources right now in the prison systems of this state or any other state addressed to rehabilitation or therapy or educational programs. Uh, what, what you have is a lack of available facilities. We have somewhere in the neighborhood of 20,000, 21,000 available jail cells. They're filled all the time. We have a criminal population in New York City which far exceeds that number. If, if the truth be known, obviously, every large city does. The cops are making staggering numbers of felony arrests. Discount out any number you want for bad quality arrests or motions to suppress being granted or uh, cases that aren't really serious but uh, charged as felonies and they're going to be reduced to misdemeanors. You still have more arrests on a, for serious crime committed each year that then could fill your cells. So you have to recognize that if you truly mean this, you as a society mean that if you engage in violent antisocial behavior, the system will work to put you away for a long period of time, which I happen to believe is the only way to address it. 
at the tail end of it. I think you've got to look at root causes of crime, ultimately. You've got to look at education and job opportunities and poverty and the other things that apparently have some impact, although I'm not persuaded that poverty causes crime. I mean, we have poverty around the world, but we don't have this kind of violent crime. Uh, but I think you have to talk about vastly increasing the resources to incarcerate people so that there is a credi credible message out, which is not out now, that we're going to send you away for a long period of time if you hit somebody on the head or kill somebody. Commissioner, you talk about putting somebody away for a long period of time. Uh, does that imply that it is a perpetual, long lifetime imprisonment, for instance, that you would suggest for capital crimes, or do you believe in capital punishment? Well, I have um, a bit ambivalent. I must say I'm turning around on capital punishment because I've looked at the widows of 14 police officers in two years. I uh, believed, when I became police commissioner, that capital punishment probably served as a credible deterrent in the narrow area of the murder of a police officer, a correction officer, somebody involved in the safeguarding of prisoners, because the life prisoner had absolutely nothing to lose if he killed a law enforcement officer trying to escape or whatever. But I'm not so sure that society doesn't have a right to vent its outrage and its frustration and its anger. My problem with, with the death penalty is that it never happens for 8, 10, or 12 years after the commission of a crime. I don't remember what Gary Gilmore did. And I think that you have to have certain punishment, but you have to have swift punishment. People should know that if they do this, they will pay in this fashion. I think we have to go to more definite sentences. The indeterminate sentence hasn't worked. For the same kind of crime, you get 18 months or you get 15 years, or you get probation and five years, the same two criminals doing the same thing. I think there has to be a sense of credibility. This is a defined period of, punish a period of, of imprisonment for this kind of antisocial behavior. There is no, no more sense of that today. There is no more clearly defined punishment, though, than capital punishment. And I wonder, in the turning, where are you now? I, I could not uh, validly argue against capital punishment, given the amount of violence on the streets of the city today. I think that, if nothing else, it gets out a message to people, probably a harder message than anything else, that we will no longer tolerate your taking a human life, and that that human life is sacred, and we will take you, you will forfeit your life if you uh, take somebody else's life. I see police brutality, in quotes, as merely a palliative and a first step, and by that I, I hasten to add, Commissioner, that I don't mean somebody just beating people on the head, but I mean what the, what the suspect often refers to as police brutality in pleading his case. Uh, I believe <coughs> that uh, the root cause is respect for human dignity and life. We're in the countries to which I referred in the letter to the New York Times, in Japan in particular. And in the island uh, republic of Antigua, uh, it is a disgrace. It is a, a, to a total disgrace to commit a crime. It's not expected that you can repair your life. That's very harsh, but it seems to work. And uh, we don't have that very, here. That was a very homogeneous society. That's quite I mean, true. Japan has a history of nonviolence, a history of very close uh, living on an, in an island republic with extremely close family ties and the disgrace of peer pressure if one engages in antisocial behavior. We have the Wild West spirit, as you yes, know. We have the uh, right to bear arms. We have a gun lobby that's more powerful but, but than anything in this country. Everybody it, should carry a gun. Isn't it peer pressure that creates a criminal class, starting with, the, the, with juvenile but, delinquency? Yes, David, but let me ask you something. If you th if, do you think that it would serve any purpose if the media printed the names of all the people convicted, forget about arrested, convicted of mugging people in this city every day, would it matter except make them a hero in their community? 
that's peer pressure. Exactly. For example, when you go to small towns in our, in our country, uh, you find that the police blotter is reprinted in toto, as you know, in a daily newspaper. Yes. Somebody convicted of intox driving, somebody convicted of uh, shooting his neighbor's dog, or fighting with it, uh, the neighbor. That's all designed, really, it's part of the social fabric designed to ensure uh, consistent social conduct by people in a, in a, well, in a close community. Uh, you don't have that in an anonymous large no. city. Taking your point, and I'll be provocative in making a further recommendation, despite all of the priorities for public money, and uh, in view of the shortage of, of, uh, pr of prison accommodations, I think that we would be well, uh, well it would be uh, very well uh, suited to our purposes if the state of New York provided funds for a significant increase in the housing of criminals so that the word would get out that this is priority number one and that they were going to be put away because until that message gets out, as you have said, the mere statistics of arrests indicate that you can't handle all the convictions, the backlog, and uh, everything Which else. Which creates its own dynamic for the judges not sentencing as hard as they might otherwise sentence, or being able to not sentence because they feel there's a justification because there's no available jail cell. It creates an, a dynamic for early release of people who have been incarcerated for a what you and I might think was a five-year term, mm -hmm. and the person serves 15 or 18 months and is then released. Now, that's just a deception to the public. If, a, if the public thinks that somebody's getting a five to 15-year term and they're out much before that, which is why there is a recommendation, a Governor's Committee on Sentencing, chaired by Bob Morgenthau, the Manhattan DA, and they have recommended definite sentences within certain guidelines. Mm -hmm. If a judge deviates from the guidelines, he has to write, file a written opinion indicating there are special circumstances. But if you do this, you get that. If you do this, you get that. Everybody knows what it is. And you're suggesting one of the reasons that hasn't happened thus far is that we don't have the facilities. Well, that's a, that, that is clearly the... the it's a limiting the, factor. We have a, lim we have a funnel effect in the criminal justice system. We have large numbers of cases being funneled into a system that cannot handle them, such that the exercise often becomes statistical dispositions, as long as you clear your calendar. We very seldom talk about the quality of justice. We very seldom talk about the victim's rights. Has that person been vindicated? Has the person who, who hurt that person gone to jail for a significant period of time? It can't. The system cannot presently handle it. And I think David is right. You have to get, not only get a message out, but engage in the reality of vastly expanding the facilities uh, such that you can well, handle it. Now, now, I, I understand that, and I understand that you gentlemen agree upon the necessity for vastly mm -hmm. expanded uh, criminal <coughs> housing. And nevertheless, there's something in what you both have said that I, I want to want to come back to. Uh, David, you you say, of course, uh, your words were in quotation marks here. The the notion of police brutality, they were indeed. Uh, nevertheless, you say there's no rehabilitation of criminals. Also in quotation marks. I put that in marks. quotes. Yes. Right. Also in quotation marks. But I think the meaning, uh, the other side of the coin. None of this coddling. Coddling. coddling exactly. Right. And um, do you really want to stick with that notion that rehabilitation, way with it, when when you say it is not expected that you can repair <coughs> your life. Are you suggesting that uh, vengeance is mine? Well, you have to be a victim. There are no liberal victims, I might add. And uh, you have to be a victim to understand, obviously, you have to make the punishment fit the crime. You're not going to do this for a r relatively minor first offense. But when you get into uh, felony charges of violence, where you're threatening or taking life, there, one wonders about the repair. 
And there's one other thing, apart from, you might say, regarding increasing the criminal facilities, that seems terribly unproductive. One way to cut that down, the police department of the city of New York, under Mayor Koch and the commissioner, have built enormous goodwill and sympathy with the people of the city of New York recently in the face of these police killings. Uh, the mayor, by his attendance, and yourself, as a matter of fact, would not generally be known. The commission actually could not make this broadcast at one time because of one of that very episode taking place then, which regrettably has taken place again. So I think that we, sh that we in the media must make a concerted effort to build the credibility of police officers in the public consciousness by reporting constructively and truthfully about the, the work of the city of New York. Because if I'm correct, that notwithstanding everything we are saying here, this city is far from the most crime-infested city in the United States. It, believe it or not, it's below Phoenix, Arizona, in my opinion, is it We're not? We're about 15th in the country in terms of, uh, of crimes. But we're the Big Apple, and everyone hears about yeah, it. We get all the media attention, and everybody in Chicago and L.A. knows what happens here. We do not know what happens in Chicago Commissioner, and Commissioner, what do you think about rehabilitation? I detected a note before that, <clears throat> and I didn't know whether it meant that you were concerned that we didn't have, that we don't really have rehabilitation programs that could be effective if that were possible, or that you really have come to the conclusion that we might just as well forget about that. I am not a, uh, um, an expert in uh, penology, and I'm not a social scientist. Uh, I make no pretense to knowing about those things except as a layman, and I speak like a citizen. I have not seen rehabilitation work. I am not convinced uh, that the necessary resources in a confined area have ever been put into it where you pick your people. There are, it's clear to me some people, and I believe in Christian salvation, uh, but I believe that some people uh, seem to be beyond uh, repair, that they, they are uh, engaged in violent criminal conduct when they're 10, 11, and 12. They seem to have no informed conscience, no sense of the value of human life, and no sense of ethics. And it doesn't, I don't know how you get it. I don't know how somebody teaches you that if it's not developed in, in the children at an early age. I have been advised by people in the prison system that uh, educational programs and other kinds of programs don't work. The prisoners don't show up. If they show up, it's to get out of something else or to sleep, and that is very disturbing. Then why don't we... Uh... But let me just say, there hasn't been a lot of money, and, and I, I would disagree to this extent. I don't think it's a picnic in New York State prisons. Attica, Sing Sing, Auburn, Clinton, um, they're, not, they're not country clubs. Some of the federal prisons, the minimum security prisons, have your tennis courts and your no fences. That's not true with the prison system in New York State. Uh, either way, it seems to me, we don't, it doesn't work. We don't turn out a rehabilitated citizen. Uh, the rehabilitation effort doesn't seem to work. On the one hand, uh, the lack of a rehabilitation effort doesn't seem to work in the sense of bringing out a decent law-abiding citizen. There is an argument to, in effect, warehouse people until they hit an age when they begin to turn around themselves. That does seem to happen to people. Uh, there is a certain age when, for example, you don't see old uh, drug addicts on the street. There's a sense that they either die or they fade off into some kind of respectability. How do you account for the fact, though, that for 25 years, almost 25 years, on the open mind, we've, discussing, we've been discussing the subject, society still has not indicated a willingness to fish or cut bait. Society has still not indicated a willingness to support the police, as David Brown, you suggest. Society has still not indicated a willingness to build the prisons and provide that kind of certain punishment. Are we, is this a death wish on our own part? I don't think it's a death wish. I think it is a measure of the complexity of the issue, one, with a kind of refusal to face up to making a hard decision 
in terms of a, a categorical decision. What do you mean hard? No, no possible yeah. rehabilitation. That's very difficult for a free democracy to That's say about point. its own citizens. Yeah. And I think there's a sense of guilt about the fact that a lot of the people who engage in violent crime come from disadvantaged backgrounds, and there are, over, there are kind of racial overtones to any kind of hard talk in this area. And I think that people tend to shy away uh, from the cataclysmic kind of approach. They kind of put the people away and then hope something will happen to rehabilitate or redeem them. But it doesn't work. It's what, part of what makes this country both great and, both this, and, our, and the despair of our own citizens and society it's our compassion and our, our forgiveness. Perhaps they are virtues that uh, may well be nurtured, but um, our point, I think the Commission and I speak with one voice, if I may say, is that we had better uh, uh, see to it that we are not destroyed by our own compassion in this respect. It is true, in the United States of America, people are not only free, but they're forgiven. And in other countries, many other countries, at possibly at the cost, and I say it, I'm surprised you haven't picked up my miscarriage of justice quote, also in quotes, I hope, uh, that uh, you, someone can knock on your door at 3 o'clock in the morning and say, what did you mean when you said the following about our president in a restaurant? You don't have that in the United States of America because uh, we believe that everybody has certain rights, and uh, we're, we're quite, uh, it's part of our weakness. I think we have to strike a balance and uh, that's my, that's the meaning of, in quotes, police brutality. It doesn't, it is not a precise, but a sort of uh, indicative phrase. David, are you backing away at all? Not you said at all. you had time to think about what you had written now. No, I find it, as you reread the letter, I found that, uh, if anything, I feel more strongly in view of what has happened to the people of the city of New York and the police department of the city of New York in recent weeks when violence, if the statistics you've issued recently uh, are indicative, which of course they are, have reached an all-time record. Have they not? Yes. Crimes of violence in the city are now at Homicides all Homicides are up dramatically. Killings of police officers are up. And that's true around the, around the country, and so, but it's also true in New York City. And your own feeling is that certain punishment would be one of the... Serious ways. and certain and swift punishment would be one way of addressing this problem. I would also like to see a mandatory sentence for guns. We have, we have now on the streets of our city between one and two million handguns. People... Uh, whenever they get into a domestic dispute or a fight in a bar, there's a gun available. It used to be you'd punch somebody or you hit somebody with the chair. You now kill somebody. And we find that half the homicides in the city of New York last year were these kind of dispute-oriented homicides as distinguished from uh, uh, in the commission of a crime. We find that one half of those were committed by guns, handguns. And yet our presidential candidates have to cozy up to those who would oppose limitations. I love my country and I think it was an absolute disgrace what the uh, candidates for the presidency did in New Hampshire last week. I was I was disgraced that they would talk about the fact that they shot Bird with a shotgun when they were 10 and 11 years old and they were born and grew up with a gun. That's some uh, measure of one's uh, civilized behavior. I, uh, John Anderson was the only one and I'm not a I'm not political at all. Uh, but I believe that the that that the silent majority especially in large cities, should stand very tall and hard on the issue that there's no need for a gun, that the only reason to have a gun is if you're going to use it, and if you use it, you're probably going to kill somebody or hurt somebody. And the mayor has been very courageous right, in, in that respect. Ten seconds, five seconds. David, do you support that notion of limitation on uh, guns, yes. private guns? Good. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me today. David Brown, 
Police Commissioner McGuire. Thank you, really. I, it's obviously a subject we're going to come back to time and time again. And thanks, too, to you in the audience. I hope that you'll join us again on The Open Mind. Meanwhile, as an old friend used to say, good night and good luck. This is Richard Hefner, your host on The Open Mind. We would like to know your ideas and your opinions about the subject we discussed. Please send your comments to me in care of this station. Join Richard Hefner next week when his guest will be Norman Cousins, former editor of the Saturday Review, who discusses his best-selling examination of health care in America, Anatomy of an Illness. <laughs>